Welcome. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Welcome to the Justin News Podcast. That was my like Chuck Woolery, Ryan Seacrest intro. Welcome to the Justin News Podcast, folks. This is Justin Cross. It's 2020. And to start off the new year, I have a guest you guys may know very well. He's a man you hear every single time you listen to the Justin News Podcast. He is our sound engineer. He is also a very talented musician himself who is playing this weekend at the Troubadour in LA. So if you're in LA, you should go check him out. And he is a friend of mine who, fingers crossed, will be playing at my wedding and he'll just be playing his song Build a Ball on loop the entire time. <laughs> Mike Stocksdale, Michael, thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Hey man, it's it's great to be here. I miss you. I you moved you. far, far away. Well, you moved you moved far away and then you moved even farther away. I know. I know. I, I What's that about? Well, yeah, you and I met at an open mic in LA and uh, and I ended up moving up to the at Bay. At Trip. At Trip, at Trip Bar. You can tell people you can t- in in Santa Monica, you tell people it's trip. Don't be ashamed of trip. No, no, you're right. Everybody who listens to this podcast, oh yes, trip. Yes, trip, of course. <laughs> the the yeah. place the place that looks like a front store for crack dealers. Yes, trip. <laughs> I fucking love trip, man. I've been going back to that open mic actually, so I can kind of get get in front of people. Well, not people. There's like usually four people. <laughs> I was going to say. It's... Get, get in front of a microphone with the PA. It's, you know, I haven't been playing live too much and I got this Troubadour show coming up. So I've been hitting up Trip. Nice. Me and my neighbor, we've been going to Trip. Has there... We've been going up and we, 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 we won't put our last names on there. It's just Mike and Jeff. <laughs> He's like, welcome Mike. And you can tell the host is like pissed that we didn't put our last <laughs> names up. <laughs> Is it is it still like the same folks there? I mean, there that was the 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 the, the one time. I mean, I, I I've been heckled a, you know a few times doing stand up and everything, but I had this one guy. Sure. He was a drunk Scottish dude who tried to fight me after I got off. Like I, I'm not gonna say after a show because it's not a show. Like you get up there and you do your ten At minutes. Trip? Yeah, at trip. Yeah, he like because he was Amazing. heckling me, and I'm like, dude, you don't heckle somebody when they're like, there's four people in this whole place, and it's three o'clock in I the afternoon, that. and there's there's a W. Yeah, that's there's a WNBA game on the TV right now. You can't like fight me <laughs> during a W. Like, what are you doing? And I, I think it's worth mentioning though that just for the the people, all you listeners at home, the trip open mic starts at two o'clock on a Saturday. <laughs> Just, just to help paint the picture, but sorry, go on. No. And it's, it's in LA too. So it's like extreme and they leave the doors open. So it's like bright and sunny and people are in the, you know, going to the ocean and having a great time. And you're just like, all right, wait, this is, this is, this is living the dream right here. Like going to this dark hole in the wall bar and just feeling disgusting from the second you walk in. But it I is. I fucking love it, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it feels like home. I love it. Well, let's, let's get, let's get to, I mean, I want to get to the music stuff in a second, but, uh, I first got to ask you in light of recent events, uh, Mike, how much do you know about, about Iran? All right. Can you, we, we got world war three coming up, my friend. And basically at this point, any idea is a good one in my mind. So is there, is there any way we can, should we just build a wall? Like your, your side quest song tells us to do. (laughs) Well, the side quest song is building the wall around Trump. Actually, that's oh. that's the whole point. Is we're gonna we're gonna one eighty his idea. We're gonna build him in in four walls. We're gonna put him in jail. That's but fucking brilliant. I, I mean, I honestly, honestly don't know. So, I'm I'm not you know I'm not the most political guy necessarily. I'm I don't I don't have all the answers. I don't watch all the CNN. But like, it, it sure seems to me like Trump's looking for some sort of distraction from the impeachment. And so he tried to like become a hero and kill a bad guy in Iran. And now it's like he might have started World War Three or he might have just be putting tons of American lives at risk. Uh, I don't know. I mean, as of tonight, I think all we know is that some targets have been hit. Right. Some American Iraqi tar- targets. Yeah. But we yeah. don't know if there's casualties yet. Right. Yeah. It, it, it sounds right. like there may maybe no American casualties, but yeah, it's exactly to your point. I mean, it's like he tweeted about this like 16 times when Obama was president, like Obama's going to start a war, like to get reelected. And it's like, 
if there's not a more obvious signal as to his own intentions of why he's doing this besides his own words from like six years ago. So it's like, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the guy is, is clearly like, uh, well, he's fucked up. Well, let me ask you about that though. So, so you've got, so for people who listen to the podcast and they know, you know, maybe your music from the, from the podcast, they know, I think they know SideQuest probably more than they may know your actual, your original music if they just know you from the podcast. Tell people a little bit, like, the difference between Mike Stocksdale, the original singer-songwriter, uh, <laughs> basically troubadour himself, Bob Dylan, uh, in, a, in a younger, <laughs> more bearded fashion, and, and SideQuest <laughs> and what SideQuest is all about. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think my, my roots in music are, are, are pretty, pretty rock and roll and Americana and blues and country. And for the last, I don't know, 10 or so years, I've been making this kind of Americana folk music and it really, it resonates with me. And I love, you know, Paul Simon and I love Bob Dylan and James Taylor and these guys, I try to emulate these guys and that's just what works for me. And my voice works there and, and that's what I want to write. And that's, that's what feels good. Um, and you know, uh, around three or so years ago, I don't, I don't know if you remember, there was this election, uh, like 2016. Oh no, I have no, no, I, no, I I don't know if you've heard, I, but can I tell you, I've been blacked out for the last three years. I really, like, I've just been drunk for the last three years. I think maybe I have too. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I have too. This is and yeah, I don't know. And so, a, a little bit after that, I don't know. Maybe it was took a year or something for it to kick in. I started realizing I wasn't really able to say what I wanted to say. I couldn't figure out how to say the things I wanted to say with the type of music that I was making. It wasn't working in the folk Americana type setting. And I, I think I really, it really took off for me after the the Las Vegas shooting. That's where I really, I like stayed up late watching the coverage of, of the Las Vegas like massacre. And it really just, I don't know, it hit, hit home for me and, and just terrified me and filled me with dread. And I needed to speak like most artists do, you know, they take in something and then they need to like, they need to regurgitate it in their own way. And I couldn't do it with the music I was making. So I, I turned to hip hop. I figured, okay, this is music. That's, that's really like focused a lot, not, not a, as only on the beat, but really focused a lot on what people are saying. Like so a lot of it's not even tonal, although a lot of the mumble rap is becoming tonal thanks to auto tune. But anyway, so I gave it a shot and, and I, I really have no business making hip hop music or beats. It's not, I mean, I can do it, but it's not my, my main skill set. And it, it was fun for me and it was scary for me and it was terrifying to actually put it out. And I think when I did, um, and very few people listen to it. <laughs> and yeah. I think I'm okay with that. But but for me as an artist, it was great to just be able to express myself and, and express how I was feeling about the administration and politics and gun control and immigration and and say a lot too, because I like to write a lot of lyrics and uh, it was easier with hip hop in a lot of ways. How much for that's you... That's how SideQuest came about. How much, how much for you, like when you're creating music is... You know, I feel like so many people view music as well as comedy and acting and, and, and especially when they move to Los Angeles and, and are trying to make it like they view it in, and they kind of have to, you have to as a business, right? But how much of it like this, like side quest, which I know, you know, it kind of meshes well with, with what we do at the podcast, but how much for you is that? Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God I found a, re- a realm for it. I actually. A place to put it. <laughs> for, for, for people who don't know this, I, I'm a huge SideQuest fan and, and I actually decided to make the podcast because of SideQuest. I was like, this just needs, <laughs> no. this needs a home. And you know what? I, I'll pay rent on this. You know, I'll, 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 I'll pay the rent. <laughs> I just need, I just need a tenant who's willing to, um, to sleep with me. And so <laughs> thank you. Um, but, hey, anytime. Sorry, I cut you <laughs> off. What were you, no, you going to ask me? No, I was being way too serious for a second. I was like, oh shit, how do I get out of this? Um, no, but like how, how, how is it like to be creative? I mean, do you do a lot of stuff just like in your, in your music, like when you're on stage, right? Like how much of 
what you're doing on stage is, is sort of like, I'm going to improv this, or I'm going to do something that's, you know, off the beaten track of what I usually do when I'm on stage off my set list, just because you want to be creative versus like, okay, I've got to perform like this. I've got to make it tight all, you know, how, how much do you like deviate and have fun and and try to remain creative, even though you've been doing music for, for years? Uh, you know, the stage thing is very different for me than, than writing music, writing and recording and producing is really where my heart is. And then I sort of have to play live. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. Like, you know, there's different kind of versions of me. There's a version of me that's a lead guitarist that likes to like jam and improvise. But when it's me as a singer songwriter with my guitar and singing, it's, everything's pretty well rehearsed. The you know the banter in between is probably not, but the songs are pretty gonna pretty much gonna come out the same. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. That's not even really the the fun part for me. However, um, I was really inspired recently um, by this guy named John Craigie. I, I think we've talked about him. You know John Craigie, right? Very very familiar. Trying to it looks like I may be able to get John Craigie on the podcast soon. So yeah yeah very familiar. Oh my God, can. Can I just come sit next to him and stare at him? He's kind of my man crush lately. <laughs> I'm going to see if but, we can, we can so sit cr- across from each other at a desk. And <laughs> I'm just saying there's a lot that can happen under that desk. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I hear you. But anyway, so Craigie's kind of, you You probably, I, I don't want to assume too much, but I, I'm assuming you like him because he has a comedic side to him. He's almost doing stand-up half the time. And I was lucky enough to see him at the Troubadour when he came through like a month ago. It was, it was awesome. And I couldn't believe how long his banter was in between. He's literally doing com- comic bits in between his like sad folk singer-songwriter songs. But one thing Craigie does, which blew my mind, is he writes songs for the live performance that he never intends to record on an album. And that idea, I'd never even thought about that before. It's very much like something a comedian does because the comedian's always thinking of the audience. The Mm. musician doesn't always have to think of the audience. They can create their art and then hope people like it later because it's like recorded. So anyway, John Craigie inspired me. You know, he doesn't know this, but you can tell him about it when it comes (laughs) through. Uh, But he inspired me to write a song like with the audience in mind. So I actually wrote a brand new song that I'm going to open the show with at the Troubadour. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to play it. My neighbor who's been coming to trip thinks it's really good. <laughs> That's <laughs> can we, can we get that guy to do a Yelp review for you too? I want that. My neighbor, I just wanted we to s- like Mike's neighbor who goes to trip a lot. Uh, <laughs> also, a, also a drunk Scottish man who likes to fight comedians. Um, <laughs> yes, they, they probably know each other. That's, that is, that's really cool. I think that's, that's what's neat. And that's what, um, whenever I've gotten pulled away from doing creative stuff, you know, in the comedy world, it's always like hearing stories like that from musicians or from other comedians, you know, who are just, when I see somebody, cause you know how it goes. I mean, you, you can get stale just like watching musicians or watching comedians over and over and over again do their bits. And you know, you get stale with your own shit sometimes, right. but like, it's cool to, sure. to find something that you're like, wow, that was, that was funny. Or that was like, that's really smart or that's really just different. And it right. inspires you to like, you know, so let me ask you this. I mean, cause you mentioned that the side quest is, is sort of obviously a lot different from what you do um, with, with your singer songwriter stuff. But I noticed like in a lot of your listening to you over the years, like, you have a lot of political stuff sort of intertwined, I feel like, in in some of the songs that, that you've written in the past. Like, tell people a little bit about, like, if they go to, like, your website, MikeStockSteel.com, uh, and, like, they're listening to the... Dot com? Dot, dot com. C-O-M, okay? All right? This isn't a fucking okay. porn site, Mike, all right? <laughs> I'm trying to sell you here, I okay? Just, the connection's a little, you know, anyway... Jeez. Go on. Well, you're the sound engineer, so you can. <laughs> I'm just making sure you have work to do later, okay? Um, That's right. This I pay, is you paying me because for I my pay sound nothing, engineering yeah. right now. MikeStockSteel.orgasm.org. Uh, <laughs> check it out. It's uh, you're gonna get a lot of clicks tonight. Um, 
So, no, but but what I was trying to say, Mike, is if they check out your okay. your normal like singer songwriter stuff, they can they there is political stuff in your. I mean, you do a lot of stuff that's, I th- yeah, obviously a lot of different stuff about life. But what is a song or two that that you've written over time over the time that is is maybe a little more political in nature? Uh, okay. So there's a song, I don't, you tell me if this is political or not. I don't know, but it's a, there's a song on the album, the late great soul shake called truth no more. Um, and it's, it's all about, uh, food and, and farming practices. And it's got kind of like a bluesy country vibe. I, it's not the first time I did that. I also wrote a song called black cloud, which was another kind of like a song about the environment and, and global warming, but it's a country song. For some reason, I feel the need to like go more country when I want to write about like things that people who normally listen to country music probably <laughs> don't agree with. I don't want to assume too much. You're, but, you're, you know. you're like a Jason Isbell kind of, you know, you kind of, uh, you, you know, kinda. speaking of Jason Isbell, I'm glad you brought him up. Uh, before my third song at Trip the other day, one of the four people at the bar said, "Hey, do you know any Jason Isbell?" Uh, and I said, "You know, I love I love that album Southeastern, uh, but I I don't actually know how to play any of the songs. Sorry." And oh, then I played "Build a Wall," <laughs> and he, he he probably was terrified. <laughs> I had this I had this sweatshirt I'm wearing right now, and it's it's like a Anchorage, Alaska Anchorage like shirt sweatshirt. And people always ask me like, "Oh, are you from Alaska?" And I'm like, "No, mm-hmm. it's just it's green and yellow." And I'm like, "No, I'm just a big Oakland A's fan, and it's the right colors." Mm. And I'm too lazy and mm. cheap to go and buy like an actual Oakland A's sweatshirt. So I just got this at a thrift store. But it's it it reminds me of what you just said because it's the they the the look on their face when they realize I'm not actually from Alaska and I've ever, I've never even been there. They are so fucking disappointed in me. And I'm like, yeah. Now do you want to hear build a wall? Do you want to hear build a wall? I can do it. Yeah. My neighbor, who I've referenced many times, said to me, he said, he, he said when I came off stage, he's like, I can't believe you played that. Like, you don't know who's in here. You could get beaten up, man. <laughs> and it, I was like, yeah, I guess so. I feel like when I'm in L.A., I feel like, you know, of course there's, but I should know better. There's I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. everywhere who have varying political opinions. I'm going to get you to come out to Mississippi. You're going to come out to Mississippi yeah, so, with me. Yeah. Can we talk about Mississippi? I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but I think people want to know what is happening with you in Mississippi. Mississippi. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I have, I have a, I have a couple more questions. I got a little segment that I want to do with you, but yeah, I'll, I'll give people a very brief update. Today's podcast is brought to you by the NRA, the Nashville Racketeering Association. We manufacture the highest quality tennis and squash rackets in the greater Nashville area. Graphite, hypercarbon, titanium, even tungsten. We work with everything, and our rackets are top-notch. Online response has been flabbergasting, and we'd like to address that. Racketeering is something we're passionate about. Please stop sending us subpoenas. Also, protesters outside our office chanting down with the NRA are completely uncalled for. We're a pillar of the Nashville community. Bernie Sanders threw a brick through our window the other day. I mean, come on! The Nashville Racketeering Association. Please, for the love of God, leave us a positive Yelp review. So I I moved from the Bay Area to Mississippi. Uh, and within about a month period, actually like a, a two week period, um, I, I've been dating somebody who you've met, Allie. Um, and, oh, uh, and we got, she's amazing. yeah, you know her and, um, I don't and, know what she's doing with you, but she's, amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, she's, no, no, no. Well, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the office right now interviewing you and I'm pretty sure she's with another man. So, um, <laughs> I can, uh, hopefully you Small can edit. Small price to play, my friend. Yeah, yeah. If you can edit out the, the screamings in the background and the in the moans and stuff, that'd be great. Um, 
I can. I can, I can do anything. Um, but, but yeah, so we got engaged within a two week period and then, or I say this within two, we got engaged. She flew out to to California. She's been in Mississippi for a few months. She has a job here for a year. Uh, she's a lawyer. And so she has a job here, which she had lined up before we even met. And, uh, she, she flew out to California to see me like kind of one last time because I was going to move there and we ended up getting engaged. Uh, I took her to a Raiders Jaguars game, which uh, if you're a football fan, you know it, it, it's awful, awful TV to watch a Raiders Jaguars <laughs> game. Um, it was actually the last game in the Oakland Coliseum, so they were just like burning shit on the field, like it was, it was like, <laughs> it was like Lord of the Flies out there, basically. Um, but uh, it's a romantic way to to send her off and and to f- finish off a nice engagement weekend. But uh, and then that, it, that wasn't you didn't propose at the game, did you? No, no. I thought about doing okay. the jumbotron, just uh, you know, as like a way. Like, <laughs> oh, he's a he's a Jaguars fan, but he's getting married, so they're not going to kill him. Um, but <laughs> but no, we ended up uh, we got engaged on the Central Coast in a little town called Harmony. And then we drove the next day, mm-hmm. went to the game. Uh, the Jag- Jaguars actually won, which they didn't do very much over the last 20 years I've been alive. And, uh, <laughs> and so anyway, that happened. And then I ended up driving across the country about a week and a half ago. Uh, and then, yeah, now I'm in fucking Mississippi living with her for the next nine months, which is like a curious time frame. People are like, oh, oh, I see what's going on. Nine months, huh? And, uh, <laughs> so yeah, she's pregnant, but no, um, no, she's not, she's not pregnant. <laughs> not that we know of, well, um, but, uh, <laughs> otherwise she should, she should chill it out on the wine then. But anyway, um, so yeah, I'm in Mississippi and let me tell you, dude, it is terrible. I mean, it is, no, it's not, it's not that it's really not too bad, but I did, I was out on a run yesterday and I saw a sign that said like, uh, it was for an apartment complex and the sign said like, like no quote open carry laws apply here. It's basically like, don't bring your gun into the apartment complex. And, uh, and you know, we don't exactly have open carry laws in California. So yeah, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I'm cool with Mississippi as long as I don't get shot. But uh, I think uh, I, I'm kind of excited to see what happens like with you being in Mississippi. I My hope is that you get a brand new perspective on people that you just that that have different viewpoints or come at political issues and humanity issues from different perspectives. And I don't know. I think it might be really cool. Like being in LA and San Francisco, like those are completely different types of people than in Mississippi. I don't even know what, you know, it's, you know, your city's not good. If we've just been talking about the state you've moved to, <laughs> I don't even know what city you're in. I don't you're either. Just in Mississippi, the state. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know. I thought I was in the state of oblivion as of five minutes ago. Like when you said it, I was like, Oh, you're right. Mississippi. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. I mean, if, I mean, if you're trying to say that like, the West coast is a bit of a bubble. And, uh, and if you're also trying to say yeah. that, that this will be good cause it'll chat, you know, that I don't like to be challenged. That's why I only interview <laughs> people who I agree with. Okay. I mean, and singer songwriter musicians, like that's it. Like, yeah, I'm still, yeah. listen, I, I'll put it this way for people who don't know me. I grew up in the like high school for me was like the early 2000s college and all that. So I was very much into like the Vans Warped Tour and like emo, like sort of punk rock type of stuff. Like I was put, I got, I got arrested for crowd surfing at a Jimmy Eat World concert. Okay. All right. So I am so hot. I am tough. Yeah. I'm tough. I had an eyebrow ring. I had an eyebrow ring and, uh, The, the, but here's the thing is I still haven't changed. Like I, I tell, I'm like, Hey Google play yellow card. And it like, <laughs> that's all I know. Like I'm basically yellow card and Mike Stocksdale. That's, I still listen to the same shit. I don't like to be challenged. I don't like to leave my bubble. So perfect. I'm uh perfect. Well, enjoy Mississippi. <laughs> thank you. Anyway. So that was Mississippi. And, um, 
That's let's get back to you though. Let's get back to you. I have a, I have, All a, right. I have a couple yes. more questions. Okay. So please. So one more thing about the, the politics and then I have, well, let me ask you this. Okay. Like this again. So I like that song. Like this again. This is a song. Okay. So I listened to those NPR tiny desk concerts and I saw a clip of you doing like this again in your own tiny desk concert version. And it was awesome. I really loved it. And thank you. Tell people about, I'm curious, like how, how'd you come up with that idea and tell people about the song? All right. So like this again, um, the first part of that song was written before my second son was born, before baby Jude was born. The first two verses were written and, and they were written, you know, like I said, I did the, I did the side quest stuff and then I slowly kind of came back into my Americana folk roots. And actually I've, I've, I've folkified build a wall and I'm going to play it at the Troubadour. I'm kind of excited for this new version that I have, but um, I put out a song called, um, what's it called? Uh, I think I've drank too much whiskey during the interview. <laughs> this is, this, See, I haven't been drinking at all. I uh, had a, I just, oh. Oh. so you haven't been drinking. You gotta, you better pour, have something, please. I know. Um, no, I put out a song called, um, the rest of our lives, which kind of was about, fighting the power in kind of a more vague way. And, and it's just, it's been on my mind. Like it hasn't escaped me this idea that, you know, a crazy person is president and half the country thinks it's fine. Um, but I'd be lying if I said that the beginning of that song, like this again, didn't start with kind of the thought of, of the election and of Donald Trump and this idea that like what's happening even though that we perceive it as the worst thing ever, it's not really for us to know what what it is. If it's actually a terrible thing, or maybe it's the thing that's leading to something wonderful or something better. You like, you never know. I mean, having Trump as president might actually like be alerting all of us and all of our senses to everything that's wrong with politics and everything that's wrong with the office and, and all of the loopholes. And, and maybe, maybe if we're lucky, we, we won't let this kind of thing happen again. It's kind of an expose in a way. Um, that's, that's kind of my hope, but, but as far as that goes and as far as everything in life goes, like we don't really know, like I say in the chorus, I say, I don't really know if this is a chorus or a verse. And, Part of that came from like when I was writing the song, I kind of didn't know. It's one chord progression the whole time. I didn't really know if I was working on the chorus or the verse, but it's a metaphor for for yeah. life and like whether things feel good, whether things feel bad, whether they're hard or easy. We don't really know if that's, we don't really know what's coming next. We don't know if this is like the time that's the amazing time in our life or if it's leading up to that or if this is the worst time. It's hard to say. And Along with Trump and the election, you know, I, things were just hard after or, or bef leading up to having a baby. And then, you know, right after having a baby, like things are tough, but you also want to remain in the moment and, and celebrate those moments, even though they're difficult. Because as I say, at the end of the chorus, it's, it's never going to be like this again. And that's, that's kind of the tagline. So those first two verses were written before Jude was born. And then the last one, the last verse was written after he was born and after Jude was born, um, we have a really tiny house and Liz, my wife was, uh, basically like spending the night with Jude in our bedroom. And I was still working full time. I actually took more hour, more teaching hours. And so I was sleeping on the couch in the living room and I was like, you know, exhausted from the baby, but thankfully she was letting me get a little more sleep out in the living room. But I was also like, you know, the light would come in and I would, even before the light would come in, I'd wake up and I'd kind of be exhausted, but like worried about the baby and worried about our other son and worried about life. And so I'd be waking up while it's still dark. And just the idea, and this is, this is how the third verse opens. I've been waking up while it's still dark. And just the idea of having to like get up every day and get out of bed and, and get that spark to keep moving in life like that. That's a hard thing to do. And, and, you know, anyway, I've kind of rambled on about this song. So I'm going to stop talking right now. Go ahead and say something else. Justin. 
Well, I, I was going to say, actually, my one of my favorite lines in the song is, far too many times I mistook a blessing for a curse. And I think, sure. uh, you know, I think that's, I was going to ask uh, kind of what an example of that was for you, but but I think you kind of described it, you know, with, and, and I, I think about that a lot with, I think you make an excellent point, just getting, you know, bringing back to the political stuff is the idea of Donald Trump, like awakening people's senses. And honestly, just, he has made politics way more digestible for people because he tweets about it. He is clearly somebody who's a fucking idiot. And that I think, I think people look at that and go, Hey, I recognize what he's saying or I recognize that what he's doing is like overtly racist or whatever the hell it is. And it, but it, it, it's not hidden behind anything. It's, it's very overt. And I think that is, um, right. that, that I see is, is in some ways potentially a blessing because it does push people to, I think, I think it is an awakening to some level, but, um, sure. Well, and just the fact that he can basically direct people not to testify like we never really thought about that before. Yeah. Like Congress has subpoenaed you and the president just says, don't go. And like, nobody's going to jail over this as right. far as I know. Correct me if I'm wrong. No. But yeah. people are just not, just not going, just no. not going to go. It's just a subpoena. Like that's <laughs> a problem. Like we right. need to do something about that. Right. And we didn't really know that that existed before Trump. So yeah. Thanks Donald. Yeah. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Panic at the Disco. Catchy synth pop and cocaine. <laughs> Dearest Donald, I know it's been a while since I wrote you, but life on the outside can get hectic. I suppose you think I'm trying to gloat because I'm the vessel that sank you. But Mr. Ex-President, I just wanted to thank you. Yes, you might be in I want to get to I want to get to a segment that uh, I made up right before we we have done oh. this interview. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a new segment. If you don't mind doing it with me, uh, I call it five stupidly no. lazy questions. It's called five stupidly lazy questions to fill time, but may also reveal something surprisingly interesting or insightful about who you are as a person. It's a title that rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. Would, would you like me to fly in some special music? Like you would hear on like a morning radio show. That would be right there. That would be awesome. That would be Some awesome. Sort of like <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Maybe I'll just use well we're I'll figure something out. Anyway, sorry, proceed. No, I may have to change that then to like five stupidly lazy questions of fill time, but may also reveal something surprisingly interesting interesting or insightful about who you are as a person with stupid music in the background to play us through <laughs> really like make that longer. I'll see what I can come up with. Okay. <laughs> All right. Number one, Michael, do okay. you, or do you not have tattoos? I do not have tattoos. No tattoos. Would you like to know why? Yeah. Is this, or is this just a yes or no? Or do we need, do you want follow-ups? No, no, no. Go, go ahead. Please tell me more. I, I want to know. I don't have I don't have tattoos because I'm terrified of permanence. It's not that I don't think tattoos are cool. It's that I could never decide what I want on my body forever to never change. I like see. the idea of doing something that would be solidified for the rest of my life. I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. That makes sense. So no. if I ever get a tattoo, I'll probably need to be like blind, stinking drunk, which doesn't happen anymore anyway, because I'm a lightweight and a, father and I go to bed at eight 30. Um, except when you're doing podcast yeah. interviews and you, uh, you yeah, it's eight 39. It's late, man. <laughs> uh, I just figured it was because like you, you like tried out like a Prince Albert on yourself and that was like too, too much. <laughs> that, like that scarred you literally scarred you. Yeah. Like, no, the, sorry. That wasn't it. Um, number two, who, well, I'm sorry. Number two, what is the most punk rock thing that you've ever done on stage? On stage? Uh, okay. Gosh. Well, I'm trying to think back to my younger years. You know, when I was in college, I, I mean, 
So I was in a band in college called Three Minute Mile. Um, we had a reunion, quote unquote, tour a few years ago. And uh, I, I recommend you check out our music because that, that was the whole reason that I got into music in general. I was not interested in music much until, until that band started. But we were like, you probably would have loved us, actually. We were, we were very Jimmy Eat World, if I could say so myself. Oh, God. Um, I just got hard. We, yeah, I, ju- should, I literally just got an erection. You, <laughs> um, I wasn't the singer. I couldn't sing at all back then. Um, I was the lead guitar player, but the lead singer who's amazing, who's actually a buddy of mine, uh, Jason Swift, check out his music. He's amazing. And he's going to come visit and come to the Troubadour show. So maybe you'll even see him there. Anyway, so he's, Jason and he, I, and, he, and, uh, he, Jason isn't, Jason isn't also your neighbor, is he? I no, okay. no, no, no. That's Jeff. Okay. That's true. <laughs> but anyway, we, so we had this band and we, we like toured all around, all around. We played Farm Aid. We thought we were hot shit. And, uh, sometimes we were, but we, we sounded like Jimmy world. But when we played, we were much more aggressive than like a pop rock band could, should probably be. Um, I don't know if we got bored or what, but like there was head banging happening. I would fly across the stage. We'd do all these crazy jumps. Um, I would go out into the crowd. I didn't necessarily crowd surf, but like there would be a lot of like, if you had silent footage of us, you would think, oh, those guys are probably some sort of like hard rock or punk band <laughs> because of what we would do on the stage. But then if you listen to it, like we wrote, you know, some some up-tempo, but, but all the songs were very kind of heartfelt pop rock. And I loved those songs, but they didn't quite warrant the amount of aggression <laughs> and just antics that happened on the stage. Um, so that was, you know, that was kind of us being punk rock. I still have neck issues to this day because of all of the head banging that I would do. Oh, that's uh, awesome. I just, I just pictured you guys like, like playing a real like dashboard confessional, super emo-ish song. And then like all of a yeah. sudden you just start yelling and pulling some slipknot shit where you like dump a jar of urine <laughs> onto a fan in the first row. <laughs> we did not do that, but but thank you for that image. <laughs> uh, number three in our game, yes. our segment called Five Stupidly Lazy Questions to Fill Time, but may also reveal something surprisingly interesting or insightful about who Mike is as a person. Number three, who is your favorite comedian of all time? Ooh, gosh, of all time. That is so hard. I I can give you the politically incorrect answer. <laughs> Go ahead. Because it, 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 it's so hard to separate the art from the artist. But man, I love slash loved Louis C.K. I oh, thought yeah. he was just so honest and upfront and just surprising. And, and his stand-up and his show just was amazing, beautiful art. And I thought it was incredible. Um, but I'm not allowed to say that because he would masturbate in front of people. So there's that. I also loved the Cosby show back in the day. Jesus. Um, I'm, I'm hem- hemorrhaging fans. I know. Uh, and Cosby himself was, was one of my favorite standups, like as a kid, since I was five years old, obviously it has different meeting now and I probably will never show the Cosby <laughs> show to my kids and I'll probably never like watch it. It's really kind of, it's, it's a shame in so many ways for so many reasons. Um, I love Jim Gaffigan. Uh, oh, I think see, he's, he's the most hoot. controversial one of all of them though. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Hot pockets. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, Jim Gaffigan is literally the like safest comedian. He's, I mean, he's yeah. hilarious. Don't get me wrong, but he's doing. Well, he's not as safe as Brian Regan. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I was thinking of the My hot wife pockets loves. bit, but yeah. Uh, I love Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard's cool. Oh, he's great. Um, you know, I uh, yeah, I love Mrs. Maisel. I think she's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's marvelous. <laughs> Do you just want to go down like every comedian you know? I mean, I, I just, you're a fan. You are a fan of comedy, though. That's what I love. And you're a funny guy yourself. You're very funny. Oh. And I, I think that's... That's Thank what you. I, that's what I, I do. You know, there are certain musicians out there, you know, who can be very, uh, 
you know, very sad musician. Like you have fun on stage. You, you, sure. you, you talk about how performing isn't like your, I guess your first love or whatever, but I think you're a very good performer. And, uh, I can't wait till you, you, I can't wait till you play build a wall 18 times at my wedding. So <laughs> I, I think I should come to Mississippi and do it. See we what could, happens. We could do, we'll fly you out here. We'll fly you out here. Don't worry. Just for fun. Um, you, you'll just need a one way ticket probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you ain't coming out. Um, not with these open carry laws out here. Um, all right. All number right. four, what is, uh, one piece of advice you would have for a musician moving to LA for the first time? Oh God. I'd say if, if you're not, if you're not into pop music, stay, stay away. Don't, don't come to LA. Um, but maybe that's just me being kind of cynical or something like that. I just, I see a lot of, lot of pop and pop influenced music here as and and that's kind of where people are getting work whether it's my my friends who are like hired as musicians to go on tour or whether it's writing opportunities um and and a lot of that's not not for me um i've been trying to get out of here for years i can't we've been my wife and i've been talking about moving to portland but i think we we've waited so long it's not cool to move to portland anymore Um, (laughs) so i don't know I don't know what to do. You know, there are pockets of, of people who, who love the kind of music that, that I love. And it's, you know, it's LA. It's such a big place that there's everything here. If you're into metal, if you're into hip hop or emo or whatever, like it's here. Um, so in that sense, like I don't have the perspective of somebody who's in a small town necessarily and, and doesn't have, isn't surrounded by a lot of musicians, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not in love with LA's music scene so it's hard for me to comment on that. I know that my friends that are successful though are are writing in pop music circles and they're playing as sidemen for for pop and pop country artists. So if you're into that, sure, you come on out. Where's where's the, where's the one place you would move to that you think would like serve your type of music best? I really I have no idea, but it's funny all my friends who aren't from here or don't live here anymore. That's like within like an hour of seeing them, they say that to say something like that to me, like, Oh, you know, your music would do so well in Boulder yeah. or your music. You'd be, you'd be doing so well in Nashville. You really should move to that or Austin, you know, you'd be great in Austin, Portland, you know, these, those cities like, you know, Denver or Boulder in Portland, Austin, Nashville, like those are probably the top four for me, but I don't really know. I mean, if I really had my choice, if I could live anywhere, I'd probably want to live in like New York or Paris, but that doesn't really have anything to do with my music. That's like, if I already you just, was successful you just like, with music, you just like fashion, <laughs> I just love fashion. I just love, no, I just, I love, I love the energy of a city that's yeah. moving and like, I'm kind of an introvert. So like I can get a lot out of just walking around with a lot of people who have things to do. Like I can get a lot from just going to a bar and talking to no one if it's crowded like that because I'm sensitive in that sense. Like I like that. I need that. I also I also love nature. And like there's a big part of me that wants to just move to a a farm in the middle of nowhere. But I I'd probably love it, but I'd probably hate it more than I would hate being in a city full of people. Yeah. No, no. I'm so used to LA where like we can get to, we can get to nature so quickly in LA. So I don't, I don't have that perspective either. Like we went to the mountains on new year's day. It was like an hour and a half away and we were playing in snow. It was awesome. And like, I can go play beach volleyball this weekend. Like LA is ridiculous. So I'll probably just be here till I die. Oh man, that, that was, that was, I like it. I liked it. You started saying that, like you started out that whole answer by saying you're cynical (laughs) and then you finished it by being cynical. I loved it. It was and by the way, I'm not kidding. This is not a joke. Mr. Cynical is playing in the background. I have it on mute on my other computer. Wow. But your own, your song, Mr. Cynical is playing in the background while you answered that question. I am just amazing. saying it's in the stars. Amazing. It's in the stars. Um, last well, that song is like four years old. And that's in that song. I'm supposed to be saying goodbye to Mr. Cynical. So I guess I 
guess I didn't pull that one off. Well, it's a, it's, it's a, it's like, oh, well. it's like your leap year, you know, and it came back around. Yeah. Um, yeah. let me ask you this last question on five stupidly right. lazy questions to fill time, but may also reveal something surprisingly interesting or insightful about who you are as a person. Number five, if you could share the stage, Mike Stocksdale, if you could share the stage with mm. one musician who is alive right now, who would it be? Can it be a band? Sure. Or does it have to be a single person? No. And I know what you're going to say, Jimmy Eat World. So easy answer. <laughs> They're probably still touring, right? Like, Oh, yeah. You could probably go see them when they come through Mississippi. Dude, I mean, like 30-somethings who like grew up on Jimmy Eat World are like still the Jimmy Eat World. Like it's... We're the people who like we're the I'm the reason why there is an emo night that's like there's an emo if people don't know this, there's like this emo night thing that is it started in LA. I actually when I was working at Timeout, I covered the first ever emo night. And now it's like this thing that is in all the major cities around the country and they just literally there's no <laughs> musicians. It's just it's like a, a DJ and like a hype person wearing like shirts that say sad on them, literally, and then like like people in their thirties wearing eyeliner and it's, I'm the reason why there is, I'm the reason why there's, there's, yes, I keep Jimmy eat world. I make sure that their kids are going to, you know, go to college. That's who I am. Anyway. Are they really emo though? Is that emo music? That's not emo. They'll is play, it? they, they qualify under the emo night provisions. So, okay. Like, All right. Trust me. You go if to you an so. you go to an emo night, Mike. They're gonna play old. They're gonna play old Jimmy Eat World. The, All right. Yeah. Sweetness. Maybe uh, Crimson and Clover. Um, hey. <laughs> don't write yourself off yet. <laughs> That's my favorite. Oh man. All right. All right. So so yeah. Who who would it be? Who would it be? Anyway. All right. Okay. Well. So similar to the comedian question, a lot of artists and a lot of legends kind of cross my mind, but I, I don't think I want to meet any of the legends. Like I think, I, I think I would probably end up being disappointed in what they would give to me. However, I, I probably, I, you said on stage, share the stage with, I'd, I'd really love to just like spend the day with Paul Simon. <laughs> Yeah. If he was into it, you yeah. know, if he, if he was begrudgingly doing it, then, then probably not. I could imagine him being like, what the fuck am I doing with this? Nobody. But like, <laughs> I, I kind of feel like Paul Simon is, is just one of the most amazing, uh, people and artists that ever existed. Although that's probably a reason I shouldn't meet him because he probably will reveal something sinister immediately. <laughs> um, but he, I, I just love to talk about music. I, I watch, I know this is a tangent, but I'm teaching this class now. Um, we should is, tell, it's we all should, about we, like, right. Sorry. We should tell everybody, what? like we should tell everybody you are like your day job is uh, like your, your music teacher. Just, just to clarify you, we yeah. kind of, we should have said that like I, way early on, but well, yeah, whatever. I do it. I do it all, people. Um, yeah, but so I'm teaching this class that it's just a week long class, and it's all day every day. It's this cool thing we do called intercession at my school, and um, basically the kids are writing a song and then forming bands to perform the song live. That's the gist of it. But I showed them this Paul Simon, uh, where he he was being interviewed by Dick Cavett, and he had this unfinished version of Still Crazy after all these years. And it was so cool because he just literally played the first two verses and he's like, and that's all I have. And I could go to this chord or I could go to this chord. And Dick Cavett like doesn't know anything about music. So he's like, sure, I don't know. And it's kind of funny. And Paul Simon's like, he's just clearly like such a great musician. And I think it's, it's kind of rare that someone with his advanced knowledge of music is, you know, kind of a folky pop writer and producer. Um, so I just, ha I just have this feeling that like, I would just love spending the day with him, but you said on stage. So I think on stage, my answer to share the stage with, I think I actually want to get on stage with these guys called the Wood Brothers. Have you ever listened to the Wood Brothers? No, uh, -uh. no idea. So the Wood Brothers, they're kind of like my other, you know, newish crush 
as far as bands go, as far as, you know, I, I got the John Craigie and I love the tallest man on earth. Some of his stuff is cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Wood Brothers, they've been kind of playing on repeat for me for the past few years. The Wood Brothers. So have you ever heard of Modesky, Martin and Wood? Yes, I have. I have. Okay. So Wood, Chris Wood, the bass player from that, him and his brother, Oliver, started the Wood Brothers. And it's this like bluesy, funky, country, jammy band and they really can like play and jam you know chris is a great upright bass player and oliver's on guitar and they've got this guy jano ricks playing drums and they're just such good players and that would have been enough for me but then oliver also writes these amazing like folk inspired uh songs that just like slay me every time the lyrics and the melody and the groove and it's just, for me, it's like this perfect combination. It's exactly, if I was going to start a band again, it's exactly what I would want to do. It's a band that can jam and can swing and can groove and also has these like incredible songs. So I'd love to just get up there on stage with them and just play with them and let them just influence me. And yeah, they're amazing. Go check out the Wood Brothers if you have not heard of them. See, I, this is why I like Mike, you know, he's been, he's, we're spending about an hour together now and he is, he's promoted trip, the bar he's promoted, John Craigie, <laughs> the wood brothers, Paul Simon, Dick Cavett, Bill Cosby, uh, Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to leave that one alone, but you know, um, <laughs> it's fair, you know, and then, and then the one time I tried to promote you, you, like purposely, well, I guess picked up on my own, the own, and the way I said it, but you basically screwed up your own website name so that people went to a porn site, <laughs> Mike, Mike com, And, uh, I'm very self-deprecating. I know. I know. I, I, I already know about me. I don't need, I don't need to talk about, they me don't anymore. know. They, I know about me. They may not know about you though. You know, they may not, they know. Uh, yeah, I know. I'd be, I'd be a terrible politician. I, I'm watching these debates and I just, I don't know what kind of person can be what they have to be in these debates. And I don't blame them, but they're sitting up there just selling themselves. Yeah. Like I could never, ever do. Like basically they're all just bragging. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's what you have to do in one of those debates, but I can't, I can't relate to it. I don't know how. How you, I don't know how you do that. How you love yourself that much. Yeah. It's, I know. Um, yeah. Or just do it in a way that like, it's even not like, I don't hate them. I don't watch it. And I'm not necessarily cringing for all of them. Like they're, they're doing it in a way that, that makes sense to me, even though I couldn't do it myself, but it's, it's wild. Like what we, what we want our politicians to do, because I don't necessarily want a bragger running my country. Yeah, well, th that's not happening at all right now. So, <laughs> exactly. I, I like how I Holy like how Lord. I like how Trump has figured out how to do it. Like in a in a world and in a country, you know, you're exactly right. Like where everybody is is bragging about what they're going to do and their plans and all this stuff on both sides. Trump has found a way yeah. to blow them out of the fucking water when it comes to jerking yourself off. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. is like, it is, it's insane. You know, he is, he has taken it to such an insane level. I wonder if I, I actually wonder if, especially on the Republican side, whoever, assuming that like he doesn't just become like the dictator for the next 30 years, like mm. it, it, how the next Republican will be, because I feel like, any right. anybody else who appeals to to the base that he appeals to is going to have to be crazy. Like they're just going to have to reach like this insanely uh, arrogant, self involved level. And and I don't know if I don't think that's even possible. Like not to do it the way he does it. Yeah, I, I don't think I. I mean, who knows? But I don't think we'll see anyone like Trump ever again. I I mean, cross my fingers. I guess. And hope I don't die. But like, I mean, Trump is just such an anomaly yeah. and such a fluke. And it was a fluke that he was elected in the first place. 
I mean, you got in the news, they're talking about how you got Facebook, Facebook executives basically saying like, yeah, we got Trump elected in these, you know, hidden emails or whatever. Um, and you've got the Russian interference and you've got the fact that he didn't win the popular vote anyway. And neither did Bush, by the way, like great, great job Republicans getting in, you know, yeah. these they love the electoral college. Like, and, and. The thing that makes me the most sad, and I feel like I'm going on a tangent, you can just bring me back in if you need to, but the thing that, that bums me out the most is that I don't think that the Republican agenda is so terrible. I don't think it's the devil, but the way that they've been representing themselves makes me hate their fucking guts. <laughs> and I don't think it should I don't think it should be that way. Like I used to be registered independent because I wanted to be able to come at elections from a perspective of fairness and like taking in both sides. And I changed, I changed, I'm a, Demo I'm a Democrat now because it's been fucking insane, crazy people on the Republican side, just who don't even seem to give a shit about humanity to me and only care about themselves and they're cheaters and they're liars and I fucking can't stand it. And I don't know how I got down this road. Justin saved me. <laughs> there we go. No, no, that's how we're going to end the, whiskey. the show. It's the whiskey. Go, go check out Mike Stocksdale. You can check him out on MikeStocksdale.com. He will be playing, uh, he'll play, he'll be playing the Troubadour this Saturday. Is it this Saturday or Friday? Yeah. Saturday. Saturday. And, and it's this, it's Saturday, January 11th at 7 PM sharp. My, my buddies, kid giant, this amazing band, they asked me to open for them. Um, so I'm, the, I'm the early slot. I'm the lowly opener. Um, uh, but you should still come anyway. And I wrote a song just for this show. So I think, I think you'll have fun. You'll have come fun. On, come do it. And, and Mike, uh, Mike will get progressively angrier during his set. And by the end of it, he'll just be cursing <laughs> Republicans and Donald Trump and, and spitting. I, it's possible. And pouring, pouring a jar of urine on the first person <laughs> standing. It, in Troubadour, it, <laughs> Troubadour is, uh, it is an all ages venue, but I keep having it like my show is very pg if i would say so myself it is but i as you may have heard in the interview i have a bit of a loose tongue sometimes and i have a few songs where that loose tongue gets even looser so like i've had to tell people like yeah you know it's all all ages you could bring your son and then i'm like but i might say some swears though just so you know <laughs> i've been doing that a lot this week because i i don't want to it's not a it's not a kid's show like don't expect that. Yeah. It's not even close to that. But wait, well, wait till, any, anyway, wait till Mike starts. Bring your, bring your kids. Wait till Mike starts pulling out one liners from Louis CK and Bill Cosby. It'll get, uh, oh, shit. it'll get real cringeworthy. No, uh, I'm going to regret saying that. No, I, I have to vouch for you. You are, uh, an awesome performer and, uh, I've known you for, for many Thank years you. now and, we did. We met at uh, the very dark, dank bar that is Trip in Santa Monica. And um, love it. Yeah, now we're life partners. So, anyway, um, Mike, <laughs> Mike Stocksdale, thank you so much. And um, check him out, mikestocksdale.com.com. Okay, people. And you're on Twitter. You're on, I know you're on Instagram all the time. And SideQuest, obviously, you hear that a lot on this podcast. And you, uh, Mike is the sound engineer, so he makes everything sound professional and awesome. And, uh, literally if before Mike came on, it was just, it sounded like I was, uh, I was like on a roller coaster talking in a tunnel. So, um, <laughs> like, like I recorded this podcast with a string and two cans basically before you got on. So anyway, thanks Mike. Thank you so much for having me. I love what you're doing, man. Keep doing it. I can't wait to hear uh, somebody other than me on this podcast next time. <laughs> we, we got a good lineup coming up, man. We do. We have, we've got some uh, some big hitter politicians coming up. So, uh, um, yeah. and, and Craigie maybe, right? And, and, and maybe Craigie. It's, I, I shouldn't have, I, I, I may have to edit that part because it's not, I don't want to, you know, now, but yeah, we got a little something going. So we'll see. We're going to keep it in. We're going to keep it in. Maybe it'll entice him to come. I'm not, I'm not going to let you edit it out. <laughs> they're going to have to, yeah, they're going to have to listen pretty deep into the interview to hear that reference. So, right. 
<laughs> nobody, let's be honest, nobody listens past 20 minutes. No, no. Uh, no. Every, we can say whatever the fuck we want. I could talk about Cosby and Louis C.K. all I want after 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh yeah, Mike Stocksdale sounds nice. Playing a show at the Troubadour. I'll see him later. You know, like that's, that's all they're going to get. So, um, yeah. Well, thanks, man. Anyway, though, man, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to what you got cooking for 2020. I'm excited, man. Thank you. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Mike Stocksdale, everybody.